Welcome to the Avenue uh, CYC podcast discussions on child and youth care. I'm Wolfgang Vachon. Earlier this summer, I was socializing from a distance with a CYC friend of mine, and we were talking about Pride Month during COVID times. My friend told me about a young woman she knew who had written a monologue for one of her high school classes about being young, queer, and navigating drinking and drug culture in the lesbian community. I was intrigued and connected with the author, Claire, who shared the monologue with me. I asked her if she'd be interested in coming on to the podcast and having a conversation about what she had written, and Claire graciously agreed. We're going to start by playing a recording of Claire reading her piece, and then she and I will have a conversation about it. I'd originally hoped that this would be posted during Pride Month, but that sadly did not happen. So there are a couple of references which may seem like they would make more sense a month or two ago. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, friends. And for the record, even if I don't know you, which I probably don't know you on here because anonymity, literally everyone is my friend. Seriously. First day talking to someone and I spill, spill, spill my whole life story. I should probably work on boundaries, you know? But anyway, happy whatever day it is. Can anyone distinguish a Monday from a Saturday anymore? Nope, that's what I thought. I know I'm sleeping in every day till it's bright outside and staying up late binge-watching whatever hot new music video there is. Speaking of, if you haven't watched Harry's Watermelon Sugar, get the heck out of here and watch it. I'm not trying to be aggressive, but it's really good. So I'm not going to use my real name here, which is ironic because I'm using my voice. Like, I'm not having a friend read this because, because I am the one who put, puts my essence into my words. But let's just say my name is Claire, because if I did drag, my name would obviously be Claire Voyant, because French diva, yes, please. I like to refer to myself as a flamboyant lesbian, but I also say that I don't like labels. So basically, I'm a very contradictory person, but you can just consider me towards the lesbian end of the spectrum. I would only date a guy who's more soft-spoken, less aggressively masculine, who doesn't even have a bit of facial hair, and who lets me be a top sometimes. So basically, nobody. I go by she slash her, or as we coined at a youth con or something, sure, which sounds too much like share, who is far beyond my level of flamboyance, but I wish. So I'm here on the CYC podcast today and very grateful to be here because of an assignment for a health and wellness program that I'm a part of at school, if that's even a thing anymore. The assignment was to create an initiative to tackle a mental health issue. Luckily, as I'm known to scream at the top of my lungs at people in the hallway at school who joke about anything remotely close to suicide, or who make any comment that sounds remotely near to homophobia. This is right up my alley. And yes, I will yell even if there's a class nearby. If I hear or see something wrong, girl, I am not going to sit here and wait for the right time, whatever that word means, to speak up. Oh, and I'm also an advanced belt in karate. That's what I leave those cute little freshman devils with after I finish my yelling match. One more thing. I go to a Catholic high school. It's, it's not that bad, you know. 
But, and thank God for Pope Francis teaching those homophobes that love is freaking love. But still, those people who talk in a heteronormative way sometimes include teachers. Yikes. But luckily, the principal loves me, I think, so I could never get expelled. So I decided to focus on the fact that LGBTQ2S plus youth are 14 times more likely to suffer from substance misuse. I promise you this talk will not be remotely near to a lecture, because, come on, that's the only thing about school that I don't miss. It will be more like a conversation, I'm hoping. A conversation with a very intense, opinionated, brutally honest friend. But don't worry, I'll try to inject some jokes in here so I won't be too much of a Debbie Downer. Also, why did I use that term? Like, nobody says that anymore. Um, I've never done something exactly like this before, which you can probably tell by the amount of times that I butcher my words, but, you know, it's okay. Um, unless you count recording myself talking to myself because none of my friends picked up the phone. Man, I hope I won't butcher my words too much. Okay, enough blabbering. Let's get on to the point of this whole thing. So here's a bit of my story. I've been plagued in my life over the past little while with the popular idea that alcohol for me, or drugs for others, um, is the means of feeling free and letting loose to allow experiences to happen. But after some traumatic instances that happened, when I got too out of control and lost some friends and a lot of self-respect, I realized how fine the line speaking of Harry Styles, fine line, can get between feeling free and feeling out of control. Alcohol, or drugs for that matter, are no joke. And I've realized that there is no match to sober highs. Really. Last year going to, to Pride for the first time in a long time and seeing everyone owning their identity and living it to the fullest, I didn't need to have a shot of vodka to let my hair down because I was already in such a supportive space where I could truly feel comfortable to be my flamboyant self. Although, I'm not gonna lie, it can be hard seeing all those people coming out of the LCBO, hugging their bottles and smiling and living it up. But after everything I've been through, those bottles of life have molded into bottles of death. It really bothers me that a lot of LGBTQ2S plus hubs are in bars or clubs. Because, for one, it's inaccessible to youth, and also it can support and feed into alcohol or drug addictions. I have seen some organizations at Pride Toronto that support NA and AA type movements, which is really great to see and super important, but we still have more work to do. When talking to my friends or peers about my getting out of control and losing myself when I drink, most of the time I either get judgment from the friends who have been able to stay out of that world and man am I jealous of them, or praise from those who drink and are better able to handle themselves, or maybe not able to handle themselves, who knows. But I want to hear more solidarity, more conversations ridiculing the drinking culture, picking out its flaws, saying that alcohol is freaking scary. Because throwing up all over your friend's house in front of her whole family, 
yes, including little children, and blacking out and having the mom call my dad, and almost going to the hospital, is far, far from wild. But I still have people tell me, oh my god, sounds like a wild night. Rolling eye emoji. <laughs> the thing is, a lot of us don't think about falling. We think about flying. I think of those dreams I used to have when I was five years old where I could fly down the stairs and then I tried it and then I fell. I think that in some ways in teenagehood we go back to our naive, dreaming five-year-old selves. But in teenagehood, those stairs turn into rooftops and that broken leg turns into death. We associate that out-of-control feeling with being wild, rebellious, and free. And I'm not saying it can never be that way, but for me and other people that lose their sense of right and wrong when they drink and get drunk too easily, there's a whole lot of falling. Falling not as in the photo shoots on RuPaul's Drag Race where they fall into a bed of cushions or foam or whatever and look so graceful and elegant and I wish I could be them, but falling on cold hard cement. Falling on your friend's tile bathroom and having to be stripped by her mom because my clothes were too wet with vomit. Falling back into my house shaking and ashamed after she closed the door and never came back. She who was my best tree hugger friend, the friend who would always meet up with me to share a coffee or a laugh, the friend who I could talk for hours with even if we got sore, and I get sore a lot. The friend who fought up this effed up world, head on, but could also laugh and be lighthearted, who also became the friend who I had a drunken, confusing fling with, and then who ran away forever. This falling is painful, like nails on a chalkboard, like running over shattered glass, like the slow descent of my great-grandma's heirloom china teacup. Sorry if all this poetic rambling is hard to follow. This is just the way I talk, like I'm a female Shakespeare, or as my best friend and I like to say, Shakespeare. And, and I mean, I hope I talk in normal English. <laughs> but my point from all of this is that alcohol is not the answer to being free or the recipe for experience to happen. Alcohol or drugs can loosen you up a bit in small amounts while being careful, but it is a dangerous thing. It can poison you, but there's no skeleton symbol in the front. If there's one thing I want you to walk away with hearing my story is that we need to stop romanticizing these things, to stop romanticizing drugs and alcohol, period. And going back to the context of the LGBTQ2S plus community, I want to prove that you can be a crazy wild person at Pride who's also totally sober, and I bet you will feel even more you and even more free like that. Also, getting intimate, especially if this is your first time with someone, is not under the influence, is not only dang super dangerous, but it's also kind of like, meh, boring, not too exciting. Like, I want to remember all of it. I don't want to be off in the clouds, and yeah, being present can be scary, but isn't that part of what makes it so thrilling? Okay, that's enough of this TMI for today. Um, but 
really, talking about these things is okay and so, so, so necessary. So this is the end of my little spiel here. Please wear a cute mask that goes with your outfit and do all of the things that you've been too busy to do before. And remember that we are all in this together and this... the <laughs> More butchering words. This too shall pass, really. Like, I know it's a cheesy quote, it's kind of a cliche, but it works for me. This too shall pass. And if you don't know what to do this pride, you can take inspiration from me, who will be dancing around to Lady Gaga in my room with my favorite heels and gorging down on watermelon because Harry Styles and because it tastes so much better than vodka. So thanks for listening to this messy rant. Bye! Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much. Or should I say, say Claire Voyant, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your, your lovely, your thoughtful um, uh, piece. It was, it was really, really nice. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here and to share my story um, and, you know, talk about these really, really important issues in the queer community. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I, or there were a lot of things I appreciate with the piece, but I, you know, you're, you identify as being in, in high school, at a Catholic high school at, at that. Um, and I, I don't know what's changed in the, since I went to uh, uh, um, high school, I went to a, an Anglican middle school at one point in time in my life. And let me tell you, there were, there was lots of gay people there, but there was nobody who was out from staff mm. to, uh, to students. Nobody well, things, was out. Yeah. Things have changed, um, which is good. There's way more, um, you know, there's like GSAs and, um, you know, we have pride flag signings. So, you know, things, things have changed. It's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, no, really good, especially yeah. with Francis, like I said in my monologue. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, it's been fascinating to watch that, to watch that, um, that change over the, uh, over the past several years since, since Pope Francis came in. Um, yeah, one of the things sure. I like, I, I really appreciate the humor you brought as well, right? That, you know, sometimes conversations about substances or or um, substance misuse or addiction they can they can get really heavy really fast and you 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 brought in a, a levity and and so that was really nice as as well and i i adore your shakes queer line by the way <laughs> yes yes um that's it means it means a lot to me because um a lot of people think my humor you know they kind of roll roll their eyes at my humor because I'm known to, um, you know, in like old literature, they use gay as a term to mean happy. And I, I just always get a kick out of it, even though it's, you know, everyone knows it means happy, but you know, things like that. And people always roll their eyes and think I'm just, you know, I'm kind of corny, but. Um. <laughs> well, we happen to be recording this on, on Father's Day. And I think Father's Day really is kind of like the homage to corny joke day really yeah no for sure for sure no my dad is an expert in in the corny jokes <laughs> um yeah i recently dyed my hair purple um and he 
he has been putting this song on every morning um, by this band called, I think it's called Dark Purple or Deep Purple or something. Deep Purple, yes. So it's a whole joke with us now. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So you talk about the message and, and there's, for me, there's lots of different messages in there about relationship, about, about community, about drug use, about alcohol use, about sexuality, about sex, about consent. Uh, there's lots of, of messages in there. Um, and you, you also talk about adolescence as a particular moment in, in people's lives. What, mm -hmm. maybe I'll, I'll start with you and, and you can take it where, where you want. What, attracted you to alcohol um how much was it or was it not related to your own sexuality and and this is me we call stacking questions in cyc i'm asking a whole bunch of questions one on top of the other um what was your experience how much related to your own sexuality and why why do you think that um drinking and drug use are so common in in the gay lesbian two-spirit trans communities okay so um the first question um why was i drawn to alcohol mm -hmm. uh, yeah that's a big question i think um there's a lot of reasons but um part of it is you know like in teenagehood you want to rebel right that's kind of a universal thing and um you know you want to um experiment with things which is like totally okay and to totally normal um yeah so that was one of the reasons and um as well just um you know i have anxiety like a lot of people i get anxious in certain situations i've gotten a lot better um like before i remember i was trying to do this like open mic or something and i just like froze and i like Mm -hmm. I, yeah, but I have gotten a lot better at, you know, public speaking and stuff. Um, I have a lot of leadership roles in my life. Um, but yeah, I felt like alcohol was just a way for me to, you know, let loose and, um, you know, just take a breath and as well, like a lot of people use it to like celebrate and, um, you know, like at my birthday party last year, like I got really drunk and um it was not fun the day after but you know it's a it's a way to celebrate mm -hmm. and feel free and mm -hmm. liberated mm -hmm. um so yeah that's a lot and, of different things but um, and, and why why do you think it's so popular in the in the gay community queer community larger uh, so, gay community i mean like reading about queer history, I recently read this book called Queer There and Everywhere, and I would highly mm -hmm. recommend it. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of history of fear in the queer community, like a lot of other, um, you know, minorities or oppressed communities, um, like, you know, the um, indigenous communities or, you know, people of color, as we're seeing, um, there's a lot of, you know, mistreatment and it's coming to the news, um, you know, 
into the minds right now, which is um, terrible to hear about what's happening, but there is a Russian right now, which is exciting. Um, so I think it's faced with, um, I guess it's a Sorry, way- Sorry, you cut like, out a bit there. You think it's- Sorry, you cut out a bit there okay. for a second, Claire. You think that it's what? Yeah. So I think that with this history of fear, um, alcohol and drugs have been a way to loosen up and feel safe and maybe escape all of um, this trauma that queer people have been through. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So also, um, bars are, you know, even outside of the queer community, a place to meet singles and alcohol, you can feel comfortable and at ease with like opening up to new people and to the possibility. Sorry, you're, of, again. Is, you're saying that bars are a place to do that? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So bars, yeah, yeah. Um, even outside of the um, queer community, are a place to um, you know, meet singles, right? And mm-hmm. um, feel comfortable and at ease with, you know, talking to new people um, mm-hmm. and being intimate. Um, and so specifically, like, gay, queer, lesbian bars, whatever term um, you use, are kind of like a hub for that community where you um, can feel comfortable, you know, if you're lesbian, you know, hitting on a woman. And um, so I feel like, especially for gay and lesbian communities, it's just, that's kind of where a lot of people, like where you can meet a lot of, um, you know, fellow gay lesbians and you will feel more safe in that community, in in that um, hub. And like historically, um, they're, you know, at night and, you know, in these kind of underground places um, have been where, you know, the queer community, you know, you know, the whole club scene, right, Mm -hmm, has mm -hmm. been where um, a lot of people gravitate. um, And, you know, I don't, I don't really know totally the reason for that. I think, you know, like, like I said, um, you know, with like loosening up, you know, the music, the, you know, it's really, it really lends itself to, um, you know, all the, you know, the lights and the fog machines, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. Just, it's a fun place to feel free. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. So that's, that's basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of different is there, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, right? And and looking at the history, I think as as you introduced, is a really important important aspect of that. Mm-hmm. When you and I were chatting before we we started recording, um, you brought up this idea of consent, and and you know you don't address consent explicitly in your monologue although you certainly allude to making bad choices under the influence of alcohol and ruining friendships um and and certainly you know as a result of your alcohol consumption you know throwing up in front of people who did not consent to that at all um 
I'm, I'm, I'm curious, what are your thoughts around consent and, and drug alcohol use um, in general or in particular around the, the gay community? Yeah, so connecting to my answer to the previous question, um, I talked about how, you know, being at bars and, you know, drinking alcohol can um, make you loosen up and, you know, feel more comfortable or go for it um, with, you know, um, moving into intimacy, um, especially if it's new. Um, and, yeah, so I feel like... Um, people turn to alcohol in their, you know, um, romantic lives, sexual lives, um, to really, yeah, loosen up and go for it. Um, yeah, but obviously it doesn't always, um, have those outcomes. Like it doesn't always, um, it sometimes goes further than loosening up and, um, like I talked about in my monologue, it can it can end badly um, when you drink too much and you're um, getting intimate with someone. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really think that, um, you know, something that needs to talk, needs to be talked about more is that, um, is those kind of, like, I feel like in, in consent dialogue, um, there are a lot of you know, black and white um, things. So, you know, perpetrator versus victim. It's often gender specific and there's um, age difference related. Um, I guess I'm just talking about um, consent mm -hmm. outside of um, alcohol, but definitely alcohol makes these distinctions between, um, you know, let's say perpetrator versus victim. Like it makes it very complex if both people are drinking and mm -hmm. you know just communication is so so key in mm -hmm. uh, relationships and I think definitely um, alcohol makes that harder for people to communicate and also for people to understand um, the body language or the language of the other person or people and um, yeah, so I just, I wrote down kind of, like, intimacy well under the influence, I think, is not ideal, but, you know, it can work for some people, and it's, it's something that happens, right? Um, so I think, you know, the best scenario for intimacy under the influence, and this is, isn't always going to happen, right? People make mistakes, and, you know, things happen. But um, I think it's better to have already been in a sexual or romantic relationship before, um, you know, alcohol comes in the play, like before this situation comes up where there's alcohol and, um, you know, people want to get into it. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. because it's kind of given that it's like an option for it to happen, because in my experience, um, it was a first time you know, the experience that mm -hmm. definitely stood out to me. It was the first time and we hadn't talked about this being an option for us. Um, so it's kind of just a surprise. And I think, um, I think it's just really important to talk about it when you're not under the influence. Um, so, and also um, there's a fine line between, you know, being like tipsy and being drunk, right? 
So mm -hmm. I think, you know, if people are, you know, just having, you know, a few sips and, you know, a few, I guess it depends on your tolerance level, but, um, you know, if you're at the point where you're slurring your words, like falling over, um, then I, I don't think it's really, you know, like I said in my monologue, you know, that's just like not an ideal um, scenario for these intimate things to happen because, you know, it's just not going to be pleasant and it's, um, you know, just, <laughs> it's not going to be pleasant and um, things can go very awry when you're not in control like that. So I think, Absolutely. Um, yeah, being able to communicate is really important. Being able to, um, you know, see clearly and hear clearly. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really, mm -hmm. um, you know, the best scenario. But it is, um, I really want to emphasize that, you know, um, like I did in my monologue, like getting intimate with someone, especially for the first time, it's scary, you know, it really mm -hmm. is scary, but that's just part of, you know, what makes it exciting and, you know, it makes you feel alive. And so I think, you know, I really think it's, you know, for me personally, I think it's, um, it's better. Uh, it's more. I feel more alive when I'm like not um, under the influence when I'm like intimate with someone, but um, it's, nice. it's different for everyone for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, I think there are, you know, there's absolutely some people who, uh, you know, their, their sex life and their drug use or alcohol use are, are very, very entwined and, um, yeah, and that's a much larger conversation than we really have time for uh, at the at the moment. And uh, you know, the the idea of communicating beforehand, and I think, you know, particularly, I'm not speaking about you or making any assumptions about you in particular, but particularly, you know, adolescents who are more likely in the earlier stages of their sexual um, um, activity. Uh, you know, having that communication, having those conversations, uh, which can be so, 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 so hard. And alcohol can really feel like a, a bit of a shortcut to, yeah, move yeah. into spaces um, mm -hmm. that, uh, and, and uh, regret is, yeah, also a, a, a common experience. Um, just as we, we move towards closing, so earlier you talked about peer support and and how adults you know there's a, there's a place for adults and 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 you know you chose to speak about this you know so that you could share your perspective as a as a, a high school student you know mm -hmm. working through some of these ideas a lot of our listeners are um you know, students in, in college or university or their practitioners um, and uh, who are working with young people. What, how, uh, where, where's the space for, or is there a space for, for adults to, to support? And, and adults, I think, could be professionals. It could be 
um, family members. Uh, it could be older, you know, mentors, older lesbians, older gay men, older trans folk. Um, you know, you referenced RuPaul, who obviously has a tremendous role as a, as a mentor in the drag community. Um, wh where do you see the role of, um, and RuPaul has also been quite open about his own uh, drug use, uh, drug use history. Where do you see the the role um, of 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 adults in in the topics you're exploring or talking about today? Um, well, when writing notes on this, I had a really hard time um, with this question um, because I think it's really it's it's really hard, really hard to answer. Um, but I think, you know, from my my experience, you know, what has helped me is when when adults really talk to me like I'm not below them or I'm not, um, you know, like more more naive than them, you know, kind of talking as as equals. I think that's that's really, um, really key for like any of these um any of these issues. Um, yeah, so like for my experience, um, in my household, my parents drink very modestly and um, drinking has often been viewed as kind of taboo and, you know, they often point out the obvious, oh, you're too young to drink. Um, yeah, it's like, duh, <laughs> but people <laughs> do, right? I know that, that's why I have to get other people to buy my alcohol for me. <laughs> Exactly. And um, so I think it's better for adults to um, talk about it as a fact. Yeah, it happens. Um, no, it's not ideal, but it happens. Rather than, you know, hi hiding um, this truth and, you know, kind of suppressing it almost. And um, because then... Um, teams will feel or you know youth will feel less comfortable talking about it and um and that's really it's so important to talk about it and um even to have adults around you know i think um <clears throat> like i i really want to emphasize how important it is for to have sober people around to have mm. um you know whether that's um friends or adults but people who um, are very mature and are kind of caretakers because in my experiences where I've gone out of control, I don't know what I would do without those people. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and no one wants to hear, no teen wants to hear, oh, like you can have this party, but you're, you know, we have to, if your parents are saying this, like the parents have to be there, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Like no teen wants to hear that. Um, but you know, even just having you know sober friends around and that being emphasized is is really really important. Um, yeah, so I think um, it's it's hard for me because I mean, if my parents were more um, like drank more and had more liquor in the house, like I don't know how that would change things for me um, because you know maybe I would be like sneaking it more. Or I would have, you know, when I was doing that. Um, so that's that's a hard thing. Like it's it's good mm. for parents to be open about it, but um, if there's too much alcohol around, then 
you know, it's, it's really hard, um, really hard to know, um, you know, what's the ideal situation. Um, but I think just having, you know, during family occasions, you know, parents being like, oh, you know, you want to try a little bit of wine, you know, um, not like, not like hard liquor necessarily, but just a little, <laughs> not, little not doing shots off. of tequila with grandma. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just to like, you know, try it and, you know, have have it not be taboo to experiment because experimentation is going to happen. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, you know, especially like in those scenarios where there's family around and where, you know, people have, we have support. I think that's really the ideal place to experiment. Um, yeah also i've had you know when reaching out for support um with my you know obsessions or addictions with alcohol um people almost always tell me about the alternatives you know like people say oh my god there's like so many other ways to feel free and feel liberated and you know be rebellious than to drink and i always just you know, I wouldn't roll my eyes now because I'm kind of distant from that place or more distant. But um, back then I would have rolled my eyes and said, well, you know, this is the most fast, effective way for me. And it really is for a lot of people. It's just like, um, you know, it's it just seems easy. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily easy, right? Because it's, you know the aftermath, the consequences are not easy, but um, it, it seems easy. And um, yeah, when people talk to me like that, I, I just feel frustrated and I feel like they don't understand. Um, so I think it's really important to understand, you know, um, that it's not that easy to um, feel the same way from, um, you know, these alternatives, especially if you're deep into an addiction. Um, so just kind of validate that, yeah, like, you know, I under, like, not saying that I understand, but, you know, um, just, what am I trying to say? Like, not say, like, saying that alcohol or drugs, you know, that's its own thing. And there's alternative, but that there's alternatives, but that's its own thing. And, um, kind of not um yeah so it is definitely a complex thing to you know like I'm, I'm scared for when you know when I like I'm thinking of adopting kids when I'm older mm-hmm. like I'm scared to have these conversations with them because yes, um, yes. it's just it's so hard to know what to say um but I think you are having these difficult conversations you're having I was talking to someone a little while ago who said, you know, Wolfgang, I hate using the term difficult conversations. I prefer the term important conversations. So I'm going to try to catch myself on this and say, mm-hmm. you're having these important conversations now, um, you know, and, and in a, in a forum and, and, and bringing it public. And so I want to thank you so, so, so much, Claire, for, for, you know, offering to share your monologue with me individually and then allowing me to to post it as part of the podcast and then having this this conversation with me 
today because I, I, I think it's a, it's a necessary conversation. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine um, a little while ago. He reached out to me several, several months ago now. And, you know, he's, he's in his late 40s and struggles with, with very similar issues around uh, crystal meth use and sex and, and concerning behaviors. And, and I'm not here to say people should never drink or do drugs. I'm, I'm here to say that, um, you know, I think it's important to have these conversations. And if we don't have these conversations, we carry shame and embarrassment and, and mm. um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, yeah, you know, drugs can, drugs can be a, a an important mm-hmm. part of, of many gay people's lives. And I'm not, uh, I'm not, again, I'm not here to, to be judgmental. Um, I think we need to have these conversations though, as well about where their, where the role is. So, so thank you for having this conversation with me today, Claire. Yeah. Thank you so much, Wolfgang, for having me again. Yeah. It's, no, it's definitely really important to talk about and you know all age groups um uh have these um very valid um you know experiences with different substances so i think it's really important yeah it's important to talk about absolutely um, absolutely mm-hmm. and um so this is being released on uh, pride weekend so i hope you have an amazing pride dancing to to Gaga um, at home. Um, do you like her new album? Are you are you a fan of the newest album? I actually have not listened to it yet. All I'm right, a fan. All right. I will listen to it right after this. I promise. <laughs> um, you're just too busy with the Harry Styles videos. I I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. And watching RuPaul. <laughs> and watching RuPaul. Wow. There's a lot of seasons now. Yeah. A lot. Of- um, thank you very, very much and um, have a great pride and, and a wonderful summer. And um, I look forward to, to hearing about how things go with you in the future. Yeah, you as well. Have a, have a great summer and try to enjoy it despite everything, you know, the virus and distance. And, you know, I think it's a great time to go inward and do a lot of reflection and um you know self-discovery and yeah so yeah awesome thanks claire bye yeah thank you so much bye